This is the Savvy Parent Podcast, where lawyer and financial planning expert Shannon McNulty and her guests share tips on how to make smart legal and financial decisions for your family. This episode of the Savvy Parent Podcast is one that divorced and separated parents will not want to miss. We're covering what you need to know about estate planning and some of the nuances you may not be aware of when separation or divorce are a part of the picture for your family. As Shannon shares with us, to put it simply, the estate plan is about protecting your stuff and protecting your kids. And when you're dealing with a divorce or a separation, you don't want these documents and details wrong. Check out the episode. Well, Shannon, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? Thanks, Sarah. I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm good. All right. So we're talking estate planning for divorced or separated parents. But before we get into kind of the the special situations for this particular subset of parents, let's start off with an estate plan. We have dug into these in past episodes, but in case our listeners have missed it, um, talk to us a little bit about what an estate plan actually entails. Sure. So an estate plan is a plan that you put in place in case you're not there to take care of your kids. And Either that's because you're incapacitated, meaning that like you're in the hospital, unconscious, or if, um, God forbid, you've passed away and sort of what happens to your stuff and what happens to your kids, making sure that there's a plan in place to make sure that the kids are taken care of or any other loved ones. What happens to your stuff and what happens to your kids? It's a good, straightforward way to look at it. And what are the actual official documents that go into the, the estate plan that clarify what happens to your stuff and what happens to your kids? So the key documents that deal with what happens to your stuff is your a will and a trust, which can outline how you want your uh, assets distributed, how you want them held, whether they're protected, help your kids until a certain age, etc. Um, and then who takes care of your kids? We have a we put that in your will, and then also we often do a temporary or standby guardianship document. Um, and then there's also sort of what happens to you, um, and that is an incapacity document. So your power of attorney, uh, who would manage your finances and make legal decisions for you if you were incapacitated, and your healthcare proxy, uh, who would make medical decisions for you if you weren't able to do, make those decisions yourself. Right. So good standard overview. Now, we don't want to make any assumptions about our listeners and their their family setup and dynamics, but we are focusing in on families who parents were married and now they are not or separated parents. They haven't officially gone through a divorce. But if you have a set of parents that were married and they completed these documents as a married couple um, and now they're divorced, how should they handle that? Do they need to do everything again? And what still stands? It depends on the state. In most states, a legal divorce will nullify any appointments of your spouse in your documents. So they would no longer be able to serve as your healthcare proxy or your power of attorney. That would automatically, um, they would be treated basically as if they had died. Um, that's, oh. <laughs> if you're going through a divorce, you might want to think of it that way. You might feel like that. That might actually be really appropriate. Okay. I know we're kind of giggling over here, but we're no offense to anyone, but okay. So, but that's so, so given that in most cases, the courts would look at it this that way. Do new documents need to be created then? Should um, a divorced parent then just sort of recreate those documents in their estate plan? Yeah, I would definitely recommend revisiting your estate plan because even if your spouse who you're no longer married to or seem to be no longer married to, um, is not legally uh, a part of those documents, 
you might have to pick other people to fill those roles. And then you also, there might be relatives of your spouse, your former spouse that are in there and a divorce doesn't affect that. So, you know, you don't want to be leaving assets to his sister or something like that when, well, that person is no longer um, an important part of your life. So those things uh, you want to kind of just revisit. Are there any things that you would want to change that you didn't have in there before? Often when couples are doing a plan, there are some kind of compromises as to who is the guardian, who is the trustee, who is taking care of the money, those kinds of things. So if you're no longer married to that person, then you might make different decisions on your own. Right. Now you brought up an interesting point about sort of the timing of this. You said if it's a soon to be divorced. So I'm curious, when should divorcing parents revisit these? Is it during the process of the divorce or after it's done? And that leads to our other subsets, separated parents. Maybe they're not sure if they're going to remain married. They're not sure if they're going to divorce. Should they be revisiting these documents now or wait until the dust settles and there's a firm decision about how they're moving forward as a family? So I would say that actually before you get divorced, it's a good time to do this. Ah, okay. Because at that point, if you kind of decided in your mind, this is something that you want to do, um, but maybe you haven't gone through with all of the legal formalities, um, maybe you have, you no longer, you know, maybe you're, there was infidelity in the marriage or, or some kind of other betrayal and you no longer feel comfortable with your spouse as the person who has access to all of your bank accounts. You no longer feel comfortable with that person being the one who literally decides whether you live or die. So I would say, you know, as soon as you feel that way, then you need to change your documents. The other thing that I would say is that once divorce proceedings start, there are often orders put in place by the court that prevent you from making changes to certain documents or just to with wills, uh, beneficiary designations, things like that. So you don't want to wait until there's that order. If, there, if you want to make a change, it's better to get ahead of the game and make changes before there's any restrictions on that. Okay. And then once a divorce is finalized, then are those restrictions lifted? So then can people, if, if they don't handle um, sort of dividing the estate plan essentially beforehand, they're now officially divorced, then are they able to move forward and make changes to the estate plan? Yes. Because the idea of kind of raising everything is so that if anything needs to go to the other spouse and some kind of like child support, maintenance, alimony, then they don't want those uh, assets basically being changed at that time. Okay. And if, if someone is separated they're again, they're not sure if they're going to stay together or get divorced. Do you recommend that they revisit the estate plan at that point in time or just sit tight and wait till the dust settles? Um, like I said, I would, I would do it beforehand because okay. usually at that point you're, yeah, if you have, like I said, if you have any reservations, about this person making important decisions with respect to your own life, your own money, money that you might leave for your kids, then you want to make that change, really, whether you're married or not. (laughs) True. True. And I just want to think about it as, do I trust this person with the roles that I've put them in? Right. Which is a great way to look at it because maybe you're separated um, for whatever reasons, and you do still trust them to make those decisions. Maybe you do leave your estate plan in place until you 
know what you're going to do. And I can imagine there are divorced couples who still trust each other implicitly with their lives. And so maybe those pieces don't change. So yeah, you have to look at sort of the situational factors and how you feel about the person involved and the roles that you've given them. Yeah, absolutely. And I will just say as well that because by law, that person that your documents have been affected, if you do go through divorce, you know, that person is not going to be serving in the roles that you've allocated them to, that you have to redo your documents, even if you want that person to stay in those roles. Because if you don't, the state will assume that you do not want that person in them. I see. Okay. Now, if a couple is already divorced or a parent listening to this is divorced and they're going, oof, I never took care of my estate plan. I should probably do that now. Are there any other considerations they need to be aware of as a divorced parent when they are starting fresh with things like their will or temporary guardianship? Any points for them to consider? Um, yeah, so I think that the the big change that happens when you have a divorce is that now you're a separate unit. And if you pass away, you might not, you know, you might have thought previously, you know, your will, everything goes to your spouse, and then your spouse would take care of everything, take care of the kids, take care of the money, all of those things. Now, if you're divorced, then you have to think about that very differently. And so it's not just if like you and your spouse has both passed away, and then you would have to deal with the money and the kids. It's that even if just you pass away, then their decisions have to be made. So um, I think that it's just, you're just thinking of it in, in a very different way. So you definitely want to reconsider whether it's you're still trusting your, your former spouse with those roles or you want somebody completely different just definitely time to rethink, go talk to a lawyer about what the implications of those things are. Um, and then just make decisions afresh in this new situation that you find yourself. Yeah. You just touched on something I was going to ask you as we've gone through these different documents, we've said, well, you could DIY this and you probably should not DIY it. And it sounds like if you're dealing with divorce or separation, it's probably a good idea to get a lawyer involved because there might be some additional nuances to consider as opposed to if you are a married couple. Am I sort of making that assumption correctly? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there there's also, like I said, there's less room for mistakes because there's right. only one person. So if you're not there, then, you know, whatever documents you say, you know, you have, um, it, it's going to rule. There's not a spouse taking care of everything when you're gone. So, so yeah, so I, I think it's just, taking a fresh look, it's, it's always a good idea. And having somebody who can really help you thinking about it, kind of stepping back, I want to kind of touch on the different categories of people who find themselves in this situation. So like we were saying, there may be a situation where they're still the best of friends. They just realize that they no longer want to be married, but they still would trust their uh, former spouse to take care of the kids. They would still trust them to deal with the money. I would have to say, no, it's not your typical situation right. that I see at least, but you might have that situation. Next situation is you have a great parent, but they're not great with money or you just wouldn't want to trust them with your money. You know, you, that's, they're, they're not part of your life anymore, but that person, you would want your children to continue to live and, you know, if they, they weren't living with that 
uh, parent that that's the person who would take care of them. In that case, you're really looking at the main concern is your money. Who is going to administer your money? Um, you don't want that person to do it in most cases uh, for whatever reason. They might, maybe you divorced because there was money problems, right? Um, you want somebody else to be administering the money for the benefit of your child. So we usually do that through a, through a trust. The third category that we see, um, unfortunately, all too often is that the other parents can't be trusted with either the money or the children. So you may have a, a case where there's abuse, right? Extreme neglect. The, ch- the parent, they never, they never see them for years and years and years, right? So you don't want your child to end up with that person. Unfortunately, that's what is the default is that, that that parent has every legal right to then take custody of the child. So this is, I would say, the most challenging situation that we have is where the other parent can't be trusted to raise the child. Yeah. And that gets into the next area I wanted to talk about is more the guardianship piece. If something were to happen to you, either unfortunately permanently or temporary guardianship needs to be called into place, um, what do divorced or separated parents need to know about that in terms of making sure that their kids really do go to where they want them to, but also the other parent probably still has some legal rights involved. So can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah. So it's a really common question I get. Can I name somebody else as the guardian of my children? I don't want their their parents to have custody. And to be quite honest, it's an uphill battle. So unless there has been documented uh, physical abuse, drug addiction, something like that, the other parent is going to have the right to raise the kids and have legal custody of the kids, even if they had haven't seen the child ever, you know, once in their life or something like that. So it's really, really disturbing and very stressful, I think, for parents who are in that situation because they just feel this weight of, gosh, you know, if something happened to me, that the really the well-being of my child is at stake. So what we do, you know, I I do still always say if there is serious concern about the other parent taking care of the child, designate somebody else as the guardian. And then usually what we'll do is we'll uh, have them write a letter uh, to the court explaining why that is the case, why they don't feel like the other parent is fit and why the other some other person in their family. So maybe they're really close with the grandparents or the aunt or uncle or somebody would be a better fit for the guardian. Um, so we, we kind of do as much as we can, but at the end of the day, when it comes to custody matters, the biological parent generally has, has priority. Right. And is that true for temporary guardianship as well? If that needed to be called into play? Correct. Really, a guardian doesn't even come into the picture unless both parents are not available. So it's not even something that just by default, a guardian cannot be appointed unless the judge has decided that neither parent is either around or fit to serve as the to care for the child. Okay. So what is the worst case scenario when a divorced or separated parent doesn't have their estate plan handled and a worst case scenario does happen to them? They come, become incapacitated, they pass away. What if they don't have these pieces handled? 
Um, the worst case scenario, I would say, in this terrible situation where there's abuse or whatever, is that the other parent has custody of the child and at that point sole custody. And not only that, but they they also have control over your money because the money, if you don't have don't have a will, it's going to go to your kids. And then the kids, the kid, if they're under the child, if they're under the age of 18, can't manage it themselves. So the court will appoint someone to manage it for the child, which is most often the person who is their guardian or the parent, the other parent. So now you have the child being raised by a person you're not happy with, and also your money being controlled by a person who you can't trust. So the money that's supposed to be used for your child, you know, could get squandered, just could be used poorly. And so whether, you know, even if you trust the person with the, uh, the care of your children, if you don't trust them with the money, then that that's a bad situation for them to be in. You don't want all of that money that's supposed to be used for your, your child to be used for other purposes. The other thing, so what we really try to do in these situations is protect the money as much as possible. And often that has an effect on the guardianship. So often parents are concerned if they think the other parent who has never been around before if they think there's money that can be had by getting custody, then they will fight for it. But if we take the money out of the picture, then they would have less incentive to fight for custody of the child. So we can control the money. So usually what we do, we'll set up a revocable living trust, um, which I usually recommend anyway. That takes it out of the court. And whoever is appointed as your trustee, could be a good friend, a sibling, parent, then that person would automatically administer the money. And that person doesn't need to be approved by the court. It's immediate and it's private. So the amount of money that goes going uh, to your child is private. There's no information publicly about that. So then that person who you don't want to have guardianship is also maybe has less incentive if they don't know that there's this big pot of money waiting for the child. Got it. Which is another good example of why you want to get a lawyer involved and not try to take this all on on your own. So this touches on one of my final questions is for overall financial and legal planning for divorced and separated parents, is there anything else you're advising your clients about or points that they don't necessarily think about? I mean, I think that last one you said is really great about a revocable living trust and really protect the money, but anything else for us to think about? One thing that's a big mistake is that people often overlook their beneficiary designations. And for certain beneficiary designations, the a former spouse will be deemed to have passed. It won't go to the former spouse. In other situations, particularly in uh, retirement plans, so 401k plans, sometimes like people have a lot of money in 401k plans, if they have named their spouse as the beneficiary of that account, that's who's going to get it. It doesn't matter that you're divorced. Whoever is named is going to get it. So that is, I, I would say, that's thing number one to do. Take your spouse off of that or your former spouse off of that because you probably don't want that money going in. And that happens, to be honest, even in cases where there's not divorce, where it's like an old boyfriend or something that you, you haven't seen for years and yeah. they... You know, they're supposedly inheriting hundreds of thousands of dollars from you, you know, so 
And it happens, unfortunately, all the time. So it is one of those things that's overlooked a lot. So I would just say, be really aware of who you have named on beneficiary designations. Okay, that's good information because as we've gotten kind of to the end, I feel like we're adding insult to injury. In in this case, you know, if we have to bring these pieces into play and you don't have an estate plan, gosh, that just sounds horrible of what could then happen, right? So we don't want you to add insult to injury. So Shannon, you've given so much great information, but as we wrap this up, what are a couple of takeaways you really want our listeners to hear about divorced and single parents and their estate planning? Um, you know, and I think as you had mentioned, like, don't go it alone. You, you need to get this done. It's important. And it, I feel like it's particularly important for my clients who are going through these things to have somebody not only to do the work the correct way, but also somebody who they could feel comfortable with telling all of these things to, right? And giving them the support that they can, I feel like you can feel really alone when you're a single parent. And so working with somebody who's really supportive and makes it easy for you um, and make sure that you're protected and your children protected are really important. Absolutely. Especially if you are going through a divorce, you've gone through a divorce. Like we said, most times they're not extremely amicable and you're probably not really happy or carefree as you go through this process. So to have the support of a lawyer, of someone who knows all the details, the ins and outs, and is really going to make sure that you, your money and your kids are taken care of. Yeah, this is definitely not a go it alone sort of situation. Absolutely. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for all of this great information. I think you have really helped our divorcing or divorced parents, ones that maybe are considering it. So thank you so much for all this great information. Oh, it was great to be here, Sarah. And I, I really hope that uh, we helped some people out there. Or even if you have friends who are thinking of divorce, this is good information to share with them. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Going through a divorce can be overwhelming, but dealing with your estate plan doesn't have to be. For more legal and financial information and to join our free community, visit us at thesavvyparent.us.